Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. It's Tuesday, the 14th of June, 2016. Happy birthday to Bruce Bowen. Brought to you by Fantrax and Brad Engel, or Brad Engel, I don't know which one it is, it's one of those two, so thank you Brad for being the sponsor of today's podcast, and if you want to be like Brad Engel or Engel and sponsor the podcast, all you need to do is leave a review on iTunes, so thank you to Brad, thank you to everyone who's done that, and of course, thank you to Fantrax, who is the sponsor of today's podcast, if you don't know what Fantrax is, I suggest you get familiar with them pretty soon, Fantrax.com is the best place to host your fantasy league, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, whether it's baseball, hockey, you can do so many more things on Fantrax that you can that you can do versus any of the other sites, ESPN, Yahoo, all that sort of stuff. They have the best free um, commissioner model out there. They've got a premium commissioner model as well. Stuff that you can do, including contracts, salaries, salary caps, future draft choices, um, non-snake drafts, um, minor league squads, you name it, you can do it. Playoff fantasy, short-term fantasy, post-All-Star break fantasy, all this stuff that you wish you could do on the other sites in non-stop fantasy. Draft a team now for all, for all you care. You can literally set up a draft now if that's what you choose to do. Fantrax offers all that for 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 free. You can do so much over on Fantrax, and I suggest that you start looking at t- taking your league over to Fantrax, especially if you're into Dynasty or Keeper Leagues. And speaking of Dynasty and or Keeper Leagues, we had the drawing for the first Red Rock 30-team league the other the other day, which you saw the YouTube video for. Now I'm going to announce the 30 participants for the second Red Rock 30-team league, um, which is going to run exactly the same as that first one with uh, choosing an, an NBA team in the first round and picking a player off that team and then going through the second round after that, which you've heard me detail in many shows. So let's go through the 30 participants in that second league. Of course, there's myself in there. There's Kyle McEwen from Basketball Monster as well. There's Richard Newell, Aaron Palmer, Rahul Darwin, who, who put together the greatest application I've ever, ever seen. It was a 12-page PDF document full of uh, reasons why he should be in, photos of himself with NBA players, a photo of him as a Lakers fan, with, taking a photo with Ray Allen, giving him the middle finger, just a subtle middle finger, possibly the best photo I've ever seen, Rahul. So it was no doubt that you were in once I got that, that application. Jason Rosenberger, Matthew White, another Jason, who I don't have his surname for, but Jason, cool, another Jason. Brennan, who I also don't have his surname for, but I'm sure I'll get that soon. Shane Farley, Jason Elson, it's all Jasons here. Milan Powell, Jacob Holtz, Eric Wagner, Stephen Kerwood, Adam Gruer, Bronson Cadmus, Adam Leroy, I'm going to get this one wrong, Sharia Memon, maybe, I think I did it right, Rick Contos, Dan Moriarty, Toby Hesse, David Laliberté, I'm sure I got that one wrong as well. Maybe it's David, David Laliberté. Malu Wan, 
Michael Cabell, Simon Cave, Tom Warner, Connor Goodwin, Jason Jenneruti, and Jacob Scott. They are the 30 participants in the second Red Rock 30-team league. We're going to be announcing leagues all across the next couple of months. The next one we'll be doing is going to be a real salary cap league, so make sure you stay tuned in the coming weeks for details on how you can enter that league. Now, let's get to it. To it. We're going to be covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yes, that's right. The Oklahoma City Thunder, the team that many thought would be participating in these NBA finals after having that 3-1 lead over the Golden State Warriors in the conference finals. No, they didn't choke. They just got beaten by a better team. And not a better team, an all-time historic team who uh, happened to lose today, the Warriors, and now going down 3-2, or sorry, going remaining up 3-2 against the Cleveland Cavaliers as we head back for Game 6 in Cleveland. I think the Warriors take Game 6. Draymond will be back. Andrew Bogut's knee doesn't appear as serious as before. He's still in doubt for Game 6, but I don't think that with Draymond back that they're going to be too sad about Bogut if he happens to miss. He'd been playing fairly poorly anyway, but the combination of having no Bogut and no Draymond made it difficult defensively and uh, and difficult uh, rebounding-wise. So with Draymond back, I think that the Warriors should be able to take care of business in Game 6, but who knows? Back home in Cleveland, maybe the Cavs pull something else out the Oklahoma City Thunder had a record of 55-27. and 27. That's a really good record, but it wasn't until the playoffs that really everything started to click with that, uh, that real upset against the Spurs. And then taking the Warriors, as far as anyone probably expected anybody to take them, having that 3-1 lead. In terms of the upcoming draft, they have no draft choices, and we all know that they have some interesting free agent dilemmas heading into this offseason. Number one, of course, is Kevin Durant. Where is he going to go? We know his status as the second, third best player in the NBA, and his choice is going to have ramifications all across the NBA. I'd say it's probably 75% chance that he's back in Oklahoma City next season. Who knows? It, we we really don't know, but that, that's my way of, of thinking at the moment. They've got a couple of other free agents to, to pay attention to. Randy Foy is an unrestricted free agent. He's 32 years old. Not sure they're going to be falling over themselves to re-sign him, but they also played him way more than I thought they should have throughout the season. They've got Nazi Muhammad, who's uh, 124 years old, so he's probably not going to be a priority to bring back. And then they've got Dion Waiters, who's a restricted free agent, who is the butt of plenty of jokes because of, of some of his antics on the court in terms of you know, standing there, the arm waving, all that sort of stuff. But his play was really, really impressive yeah, for, for a lot of the season, but especially in the playoffs. His defense ramped up a level. He, he was more reliable offensively. He wasn't as gung-ho about some of the shots he's taken. And I think there's almost no doubt that the Thunder will be bringing Dion Waiters back next season. Anthony Morrow's got a non-guaranteed deal at three and a half million. He's age of 30. They barely play him. Whether they decide to bring him back or not remains to be seen. But given how, how little they actually play him, maybe uh, maybe they'll be looking to move on and grab another piece. But Morrow, I think, is underutilized. He is one of the best shooters in NBA history. He's also one of the worst defenders in NBA history. So there's a, definitely a trade-off when you're, when you're dealing with a guy like Anthony Morrow. All right, that's, uh, that's the free agency stuff sorted for the Thunder. Obviously, I'm not going to get into the, the pros and cons of where Kevin Durant's going because at this point, let's just we just have to wait and see how it plays out. Let's get into their into their team and talk about all the um all the players who uh, who participated for them during the season and talk about their fantasy numbers and we have to start of course with uh, with Kevin Durant because He's he's pretty bloody good. I don't I don't know what how much more uh, I can say about Durant. He is he is a superb player. He bounced back, and I was weary of drafting Kevin Durant this season. I make no bones about that. Not that I thought that he wasn't going to become good, 
because we know who he is. It's more that I was concerned about the injury and will it will it recur? We saw it happen three times last season, the broken foot. He had to have three surgeries on it, which is something I'm not sure many people really have fully delved into. Yeah, KD hurt his foot, cool. But he hurt it three times, and that, that was the concern to me. But he ended the season as the second overall-ranked player in nine-cat leagues, the second overall-ranked player in eight-cat leagues, the second overall player in uh, nine-minus-two leagues, and third overall player in eight minus two in terms of that punting strategies. He was obviously superb. He had an on-off of 13. In terms of what he, he averaged, it's almost back, or not almost, it was basically better than, uh, that's not true. It wasn't quite better than his MVP season, but still, 28 points, 2.4 triples, eight rebounds, which is a career high, 4.7 assists, which is a huge number too, a steal a game, 1.1 blocks a game. He shot 49% from the field and 90% from the free throw line. Now, it was the first time in three seasons that he hadn't shot 50% from the field and it was his lowest three-point percentage over the last four seasons. His previous four, he'd shot 40, 39, 42, and 39. But his volume of shots and his level of play was still good enough to put him as the second ranked player but some of his numbers did fall a little bit but he was really aggressive rebounding the ball something he hadn't been in previous seasons his MVP season he had at 7.4 rebounds a game and this year up to 8 so a little bit of a jump there he also played um in less minutes, two less minutes a game as well. So that, that's impressive. And that, that doesn't count, account for some of his uh, issues in terms of yeah, the reduction in scoring. But overall, it wasn't it wasn't a big drop. Obviously, 28 points per game is still very impressive from Durant. Still elite percentages. And he's 27 years of age. You, I think you expect top three, top five, let's say top five, top five production for the next three seasons at least. And again, I do encourage you to check out rotomonster.com and look at players and see how long they stay in in whatever range they're in. Now, a guy like Durant, he's going to be able to maintain you know, rankings in that top five for, for many, many years. But there are other players that might come up and they last two, three seasons in upper echelons and they drop 30, 40 spots. I think Durant can have at least three to four seasons being a top five player. And then we might see him drop to become a, a back-end first-round guy um, and then become a, a top 20 a top 25 player. Maybe three seasons as a top five guy is probably all we've got left from Kevin Durant. But even then, that's still you know, mightily impressive. He He's uh, he's just an, he's just an awesome, awesome contributor from a fantasy point of view. He led the team in win shares. He also led the team in win shares per 48, putting up some big numbers. The win shares are 14.5 as well. But he didn't lead the team in box score plus minus, which I thought was interesting. He had a 7.9 there. Westbrook had a 10. And Oddly enough, Westbrook's defensive box score plus minus was 2.4, while Durant's was 0.9. Now, we know in the playoffs that Durant really ratcheted up the um, the defense and put together some, some really top-class defensive performances. But still, advanced numbers don't love what his defense does, and that's that's an, an, an odd thing to me. He still had a, a remarkable PER of 28, a, a true shooting of 63, massive warp. What more can you say about Durant? When, you, when you've got a true shooting of 63 and your usage is over 30, that is uh, as elite as it comes. And we all know that Kevin Durant is, is as elite as it comes. Speaking of elite, Russell Westbrook was just a, a shade behind what Kevin Durant was able to do this season. On off, he was a 12.9, while uh, Durant was a 13. So pretty impressive there. Nine cat, Russ was the eighth ranked player. Eight cat, he was the fourth ranked player. So two players in the top five for this team. He was nine minus two, he was fourth. In eight minus two, he was fourth. So... We're seeing these guys in a punting sort of head-to-head situation. 
Durant and Westbrook both finding themselves in the top four and in eight category leagues. It, it really is tremendous. Russell Westbrook was awesome last season. People were really weary about taking him even inside the top seven this season because oh, Durant's going to be back. What's it going to do? And I was really adamant about just go back two seasons. Look what Westbrook was able to do as a top five guy two seasons ago when Durant was healthy. Yes, he, he took his game absolutely through the roof when Durant wasn't there, but he was still able to do, do these things with Durant there. And again, it, it didn't change much. He still averaged 24 points a game in his uh, in his 35 minutes a game. One and a half threes. He had 7.7 rebounds, a career high. 10.6 assists, a career high. 2.1 steals, an equal career high. He shot 44% from the field, one of the best numbers of his career. He shot 82 from the line. That's never a concern. Yes, he shot 30% from three. He shot 30% from three last year. He shot 32% the year before. He's not a good three-point shooter. But the other numbers it's really hard to complain about a guy going 24-8-11 with two steals a game. He He's elite. Um, he's that little bit younger than Kevin Durant. I think we can expect Westbrook to be a comfortable top 10 player for the next three seasons probably as well. Obviously, he is probably the most athletic player in the game. Um, just superb explosion. So once he hits 30, does some of his abilities drop off? You'd have to think yes, because he just bludgeons people with speed and, and pace and power, and when those things aren't quite there, maybe some of it comes down. But the fact that he's been able to improve his decision-making, improve his passing, and to the, to the stage where he's averaging 10 assists a game, that sort of bodes well for his transition into a, an older style of game, and I wouldn't have any concern with thinking that he's going to be a top-five guy for the next three seasons. I'll, I'll be pretty confident uh, about that happening. We look at his advanced numbers, of course, they're tremendous. Second in win shares per 48, second in win shares, led the team in box score plus minus, led the team in VORP, had a 2.4 defensive box score plus minus, which actually led the team as well. And he was really lazy on defense for a lot of the season. So that that really is an an interesting number to me. A 27.6 PER, really, he almost had a 50% assist rate. 49.6 is a huge, huge number. And a turnover rate of 16.8. So really huge, a massive usage of 31.6. You don't need me to tell you how good Russell Westbrook is, really. He is superb. And the amount of people who will go out there and say, Durant needs to go somewhere else so he's not playing with right. Look, just do me a favor. Get your head and just take it fully out of your anus because it is a joke. Durant and Westbrook, A, they're mates. Secondly, they actually play well together. Sometimes the fact that KD might, Russ might have the ball and KD's sitting aside, it might be KD's fault. We saw that in some games of KD being not aggressive or not calling for it or not moving, that's fine. It happens both ways. We don't need to act that Durant is, and that's the way a lot of people act, that Durant is without, beyond reproach in all of these things, that Durant is all that is good and right in basketball and Westbrook is all that is wrong. I I love Westbrook. I think he's an awesome, awesome player. And I can't see why KD would want to go anywhere else. I don't see why you would want to go somewhere else and become the man. They're already both the men, and it works pretty well with this. Thing. We've seen how many times they've been to the conference finals. Yes, they can't get they can't get back to the finals, but you feel like it's only a matter of time before something happens. You know, being matched up against the Warriors is, is stiff. Getting all these injuries is a concern, or or it's it's annoying, but. I don't see any reason why these guys need to need to break it up now. With Westbrook being an unrestricted free agent next season, there's obviously interesting things that could happen there. But overall, you know how, how good is how good is he? Seriously, he if you want to if you want something fun, just watch Russell Westbrook highlights. I I beg you to find something wrong with it. I'm sure you will. Anyway, let's look at the next player. 
and that is Serge Ibaka, a player that was a tremendous disappointment this season. Still posted a nice, or really good 7.5 on-off numbers, but his fantasy numbers dipped significantly. Went from 19th in 9-cat down to 61st. And post-All-Star, he was the 88th-ranked player. That's really putrid. In 8-cat, down from 30 to 69. So not a lot to really like about what Serge Ibaka did, especially if you're looking at him in that second or third round. He really, really let you down. He averaged 32 minutes a night, but he dropped his scoring down two full points per game, down to 12 and a half. He, his three-pointers dropped down to 0.9. His rebounding went down to 6.7, the lowest mark in the last six seasons. He le- averages less than assist a game. That's never going to happen. Half a steal. Yeah, he's not a big contributor there. And his blocks at 1.8. His previous five seasons have been 2.4, 3.73, 2.7, 2.4, So athleticism is he's still really an athletic freak, but he's not that same chase-after blocks guy that he used to be. And I think expecting two and a half blocks out of him is not something you're going to get from a Barker anymore. He did shoot 49% from the field, so a jump of almost 2% from last season. He's a pretty decent free throw shooter, but even that suffered this year down to 75, and he hit 36% of his three. So he's a really good three-point shooter, and he's a decent mid-round sort of player, but I think we were expecting him to get back to a top 20 number. He's going to need to start giving us two and a half blocks a game and hit a three a game, and he just doesn't seem like he's that player. And especially now with Steven Adams' sort of breakout, with Ennis Cantor there as well, he's scoring. He's not going to have to be a huge part of the offense. He was a much bigger part of the offense last season, obviously with Durant not there for majority of the season. But with the, the emergence of Cantor, with the emergence of Adams, Ibaka doesn't have to really do much on offense at all. So those numbers aren't going to be there. And, and defensively, Adams is providing a presence too. So it's not just coming all down to a Barker. So that is, that, that's, I think what we're seeing from him is probably what we expect going forward. I don't think it's an aberration this season. I don't think it's like, oh, he's going to bounce back and be a top 20 guy. I just don't think that's the case. He was fifth on this team, Serge Barker, in win shares. He was sixth in win shares per 48, and he posted just a 2.1 in box score plus minus, but still a pretty nice defensive number where he was um, he was equal second, or sorry, equal, no, he was third on the team in defensive box score plus minus. Had a poor PR, a poor true shooting, and those things do need to improve. But at 26 years of age, he's not finished by any means, but I think he's finished in terms of looking at him as a top 20 player, unless, say, Durant leaves, and then he does have to become more of an important part of the offense and and get more shots and get his scoring back up to that 15 points a game and get himself some more rebounds. But with Westbrook being such an aggressive rebounder, with Adams rebounding, with Cantor being one of the best rebounders in the game, with Durant improving his rebounding, it's not everyone can get rebounds, and Durant averaged eight. In Westbrook averaged almost eight boards a game. No wonder Ibaka's numbers dropped down a little bit. And he played in a different role, and it was fine. And the advanced numbers are okay, and the on-off stuff's good, but it's just not translating to fantasy. And I think that we can that's what we can expect as long as this team sort of remains as it is. And Billy Donovan's the coach, because I don't see why they would go too far away from the role that Serge played this season. The next player is Enes Kanter, a player who is much maligned, in lots of different places, but I thought that he was tremendous this season. He he did what he needed to do. He almost, I won't say single-handedly, but he was a massive reason why they beat the Spurs. He was also a non-factor against the Warriors, and that's just the way it's going to be for him. Last season, when he had to play big minutes with Durant out, he was clearly dominant. He was like a top 20 fantasy player in that time, bordering on top 10 because he was just it was just him and Westbrook just doing absolutely everything. But with so many pieces coming back, and improvements from other guys. He fitted into a, a nice role. Now, on-off, not a good number, negative 6.4. That's not ideal. 
but still for fantasy, in the limited minutes that he played, he did not play many minutes at all. He only averaged just a tick over 20 minutes a game. He was the 91st ranked player in 9-cat leagues, post-All-Star 67th. In 8-cat, he was 105th, post-All-Star 79th. So there's some pretty uh, pretty impressive numbers for a guy playing so few minutes. He averaged in those 20 minutes 12 points and 7.8 rebounds. Yes, he only gave you 4.4 blocks, but that's a massive improvement because last year he gave you 0.4 blocks in an extra 8 minutes. He gave you 0.3 steals and he shot 57 from the field. He shot 80 from the line and he shot 34% from three, only only chiming in with 0.4 attempts per game. But still, he is an absolute monster. And if we look at his per 36 numbers, they're out of control. He's a top 50 per 36 player, 21 and 14 with almost a block on 57 and 80. Look, those numbers are out of control. Good, He is great at what he does. He is the best offensive rebounder in the game in terms of offensive rebound percentages. He is the best at that at that particular skill. We saw that the two bigs really did give the Spurs a lot of trouble because you can't just you couldn't can't get the ball back off him. He's a miss and he's in there and his offense is and I said, you know, watch some highlights of Russ Westbrook. Watch some highlights of Ennis Cancer play low post offense. Watch some of the moves he does. Watch how hard it is to actually stop him. And that's how he's able to score 12 points in 20 minutes. He gets in there and he scores. And that's exactly what he does. He does it ridiculously efficiently as well. I am an unabashed NS Cancer fan, mainly because I'm pushing back against the huge narrative that goes against him. This guy's trash. He's garbage. Can't defend. Yeah, that's fine. He can't defend. He's also awesome. At, at def- did some awesome defensive stuff on Aldridge. Gets lost in space, but there's a lot of pe- people who can do that. But what he offers offensively means that he has a role, and he performs that role pretty well. In terms of uh, advanced numbers, well, he was one of the tops on the team in, in, in terms of that. He was third in win shares per 48 with a massive .226, which is huge. He was actually second on the team in total win shares. His box score plus minus was a negative just because of how poor defensively he was, but his PER was 24. They had three players this team with a PER of 24 or over. Durant at 28.2, Westbrook at 27.6, and Cantor at 24. He had a true shooting of 63 at a usage of 23. Offensive rebound percentage of 16.7. That is, that is, I can't even explain how big of a number that is. That is so, so massive. He had a, he led the team in rebounding percentage as well. Yes, he doesn't defend. Yes, he doesn't pass. But he scores and he does it bloody well. And he's a really, really impressive rebounder. So Ennis Cantor for next season, where do you see him? Is he a player who's a top 100 guy? That's probably a stretch. I think that he's more a guy that I would want in 14-team leagues, in a 12-team league. But getting that sort of scoring with that sort of efficiency in both categories in a rotisserie league can be really, really useful. Say your 10th pick or, or your 9th pick to get 12 and 8 on 58% and 80. Like They're really good numbers. And yeah, half a block's not good, and, and we know all that. No assists, no steals, all that sort of stuff. But big rebounds, big scores, and big percentages. And that's, that's a four-category boost. And if you're getting that at round 9 and round 10... I reckon I'd be relatively happy with that. Steve Adams. Big Steve Adams. Um, possibly the best NBA player in terms of post-game interviews. Yes, he's from New Zealand. I don't hold that against him. He is absolutely piss funny. He's hilarious. He, I've never seen... Maybe I have. I can't think. I've never seen a player give less of a shit about anything that's sort of happening around him on the court. We've seen that footage of him getting punched in the face by Zach Randolph and just keeps running, just does not care. He is as big an instigator as there is. He is a, he's a flopper at times. We know that. He gets under your skin. He looks like um, 
uh, Al Swearingen from Deadwood. He's got everything covered. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a massive Steve Adams fan. And for fantasy, he's going to be a real interesting player next season because this season, yes, he had a, a great on-off of 7.8, the third highest on the team. He ranked 133rd in nine cat leagues, 103rd post All-Star, so an improvement. Eight cat, 147. And you're getting into that, ooh, is he a 12-team draftable guy? Yeah, you have to consider it. 117th in nine minus two. That's, you know, that's, getting, that's getting interesting. 97th post All-Star. Yeah, here we go. There's something starting to happen. And his numbers for the season, like they were, they were good. Yeah, he was good, but without being spectacular. We saw what he did during the year. He averaged eight points. He averaged six point seven rebounds. He shot just fifty eight percent from the free throw line, so that's a bit of a concern. One point one blocks, half a steal, point eight assists, and a sixty one percent shooting. But we move into the playoffs, and we see what he was able to do in the playoffs. And Adams took his scoring up. He went to 10 points a game. He grabbed 9.5 rebounds. He had 0.8 blocks, which is which is down on what he did in the regular season. Um, 31 minutes, he shot 61%, and he, and he, took, his, uh, he took his free throw percentage up to 63%. Now, I, I asked this on, on Twitter the other day, and the majority of people said, yes, is Steven Adams a top 100 player next season? I think that he's sort of... I know, the reason I asked it, I think he's going to be right on that scope of 100 or right on that cusp. And a lot of the a lot of the time, if I'm looking outside of the top 100, does this guy have the potential to give me top 75 numbers? And I look at Adams and go, probably not. Yeah, I don't think so. The free throws are definitely, they're definitely a concern. They're not a massive worry, but Adams is only heading into his fourth season. So he's got... He's got a lot to improve on. He shot 60% over the course of the year from the free throw line. It's only on 2.7 attempts, so it's not a big negative, and he's obviously field opportunity is huge. He needs to block more shots to really be of a, of an impact player, though. And if he, if he could get to one and a half blocks a game, then we'll easily be talking about a top 75 player. I think that around that 100 mark, I would be okay getting him, um, but given the way that he played in the playoffs, given the narrative around him... I think that he is going to be a little bit hyped heading into next season. Will he play the 30 minutes a game that he played in the playoffs? Will he play the 26 minutes a game that he played in the regular season? Which one is it? 30 minutes, Stephen Adams. I'm all behind it. 26 minutes, I'm a little bit cautious because in 26 minutes, he's not that good of a, a per 36 producer to be a player that I need to be all over. Just not... Yeah, not not sure at this point. A lot's going to have to happen and to, to look at it. But if I'm considering it now, and if I'm considering it, say, in a dynasty format, I would comfortably take him in the top 100 because I think that yeah, in the next two to three seasons, he continues to get better, and he probably tops out at being a, probably a top 65 guy and a little bit higher if you're punting free throws. I think that's where he tops out because I don't ever see him being a big scorer. I don't ever see him being a two shots per game guy, but he could have it. You know, two seasons where he averages nine or ten rebounds a game and a sixty percent shooting, and he gets one and a half blocks and maybe gets you twelve points a game. That's I think probably his ceiling, and that's not bad. But it means that it's not a top fifty guy in fantasy. I don't think. Let's have a look at his advanced numbers in terms of win shares. He was right up there. He was fourth on the team behind Cantor. Had a nice win shares per forty eight, a positive offensive, positive defensive box score plus minus, and that left him at third on the team in that metric. An above average PR, a true shoot is shooting of 62, but a minuscule usage of 12.6. And that's what happens when you share the court with Westbrook and Durant. And then you have to share the court with Cantor at some point as well, who's who's taking a fair chunk of shots. And that's to be understood. If Durant leaves, does he get more shots? You would have to think yes. 
And maybe that takes him from an eight-point scorer to being a 12-point scorer. That might be the case. An extra two or three shots here or there, getting you um, that extra points, and that propels him from that borderline top 100 guy to being a comfortable top 80 guy or top 85 player. And that's sort of where he sits. But I do think that improvement is definitely in his future. And if he's just outside the top 100 this season, I think he sneaks inside the top 100. But if anyone goes hard and starts going top 60 on him, then I would probably say fine. You can have him. I just don't see that sort of upside in Steve Adams, unfortunately. Dion Waiters. Unlikely that Dion Waiters really ever, ever tickles the fringes of a standard league fantasy, but he's good you know, for, for times. If a guy's hurt, he has to play a bigger role, say Westbrook leaves, not leaves, if Westbrook's out and injured, then you're going to see something from Waiters. Now, he was a negative 7.5, so he was a an issue for a lot of the season in terms of his on-off numbers. He ranked 247th in 9-cat and 209th in 8-cat leagues, but he did show a significant improvement. He averaged 9.5 points in his 28 minutes, hit 1.13s, 2.5 rebounds, 2 assists, 0.9 steals. And those 2 assists and 0.9 steals is sort of where his, not strength, but where he can contribute in a deeper sort of league. Yes, he's a 40% shooter from the field. Yes, he's a 71% shooter from the line. And he's 36 from 3. They're, they're not great numbers. Do I ever see Dion Waiters becoming a top 150 player? No, I don't. I think this is sort of who he is. But he can come in and get 4 assists and get 2 steals and score 18 points and be a, a DFS option occasionally. I do think that he, again, like Cantor, I think he cops an unfair amount of criticism and has really shown improvement and restraint in Oklahoma City, but it's not going to translate into ever becoming a top 100 fantasy player. I I really can't see that happening at at this point. Andre Robertson, one of the biggest zeros throughout the course of the regular season and then all of a sudden unleashed in the playoffs and started doing stuff. Now, his defense is is so, so good, it, it's not funny, but his offense is, is a long way behind. But what he started doing is he hit 32% of his threes in the, in the playoffs. He hit 0.7 per game. It's not much, but it's 1.3 steals, 1.1 blocks, 0.7 threes, 5.6 rebounds. They're numbers that are starting to make it you know, slightly interesting. He was the 200th ranked player in nine cat leagues and 240th for the season. So deeper leagues definitely need to pay attention to him. And the way that he started to develop his game, yeah, I think it's it's important. He was a positive 3.9 in on-off numbers. And if he became a top 160 player next season, would I be surprised? Absolutely not. Because if he shows any semblance of an offensive game, then stuff's going to start happening. In his 23 minutes during the regular season, he averaged 5 points and 4 rebounds, half a 3, 0.9 steals and 0.7 blocks. But he can comfortably be a a 1 block, 1 steal, 0.7, 0.8 3s with 6 rebounds and maybe 8 points. And that's not great, but it's it's enough to be a, a really deadly stream option for defensive numbers and rebounds out of a shooting guard. And it's enough for me to consider him as a, a threat to become a top 150 player next season. I don't think that he's going to be a dead certainty for that. But I do think he's a threat for it. We're seeing a development. Again, I always look for development. Are players adding? Are they improving? And you can't say that he's not improving. His shooting is definitely improving. His first season, he shot 15% from three. His second season, he shot 25. This year, he shot 31. And then in the playoffs, he shot 32. So improvements. And if he adds the three, that's where that that enables him to actually stay on the court more. And instead of getting the 23 minutes a game, maybe he gets the 26 that he played in the playoffs and becomes a real monster as a rebounder, as a shooting guard. 
He's a he's a guy that is never going to be a top 100 player. I'm fairly confident in saying that, but he's going to be. He's a real fun, and this team is so fun to watch. Adams is fun to watch. Watching Cantor on offense is fun. It might be fun to watch him on defense if you like laughing. Duran is super fun. Westbrook is the funnest player in the league. You're watching Robertson play defense is actually fun to me because he's just yeah, so good at it. And watching someone who is so good at something, like watching Kawhi on defense, is it, it's fun to me. But maybe I'm just a maybe I'm an idiot. In terms of what he was able to do um, box score plus minus wise, he was second on the team in defensive box score plus minus and fourth in overall contribution there. His win shares at 3.4 were a little bit down the list at sixth, but not too far down. Above average win shares, but a PER of just 10 because he's not contributing much uh, on the defensive end. But still, really good block numbers for a small guy, decent steal numbers, and he is a player who is developing, and that's that's pretty much all you can ask for at this point with a guy like Andre Robertson. But really some nice nice signs from him in the, at the end of the season. Randy Foy came across in a trade for DJ Augustine, which was one of the more confusing things to me during the season. Now, DJ Augustine had been outplayed by Cameron Payne, Cameron Payne had got the backup point guard role and was playing pretty well, I thought. And they were starting to develop him and starting to get some chemistry between he and Russ. And that was great. Augustine was out of the rotation, fine. So you bring Foy across and then you make Foy, who's not a point guard, he's a shooting guard. You make Foy the backup point guard and take campaign completely out of the rotation. And I think that could really hurt the Thunder at times during the playoffs because Payne had to come in and hadn't played for three months and didn't you know, couldn't mesh with the team. And Foy was useless. Foy's an unrestricted free agent. He's 32 years old. He was a 332nd ranked player this season. Will he get better? Well, I guess it depends on what situation he goes to because he does have top 220 potential in a in a spot where he's playing 24 minutes a night as a, as a backup two or even as a... Well, he's probably not a start. Well, he's definitely not a starting two at this point. But he could be a guy who comes in and hits some threes. But I just hated the way that he was used this season. He played 19 minutes a game and had 0.9 threes, 5.3 points, 1.8 rebounds and assists, and 0.4 steals, but shot 35 from the field and just 30 from three. Now, when your job is to come in as a three-point shooter and shoot 30% from three, then I'm not all that confident in your ability. Now, whether they bring him back or not remains to be seen. Depending on where he lands depends on what he he does in terms of fantasy, but he's not going to be a target outside of leagues that go at least or more than 20 deep. I would say that even in a 20 deep league, you wouldn't be considering Randy Foy if he returned to this team because you would assume that campaign will take the reins as the, as the backup point guard next season. Speaking of campaign, he had a few nice moments this season. Overall, wasn't unleashed as fully as what he could have been. And in, prior to the season, I was extraordinarily high on campaign. This guy is going to be the, one of the best rookies from this, this class in terms of fair um, fantasy numbers. But you have to wait three years. And that's what that's what I was saying. He was 318th this season, 321st in 8-cat. He had a negative 10.9, the worst on the team in terms of on-off numbers. But I still have, have a lot to like about Payne. He only played the 67 games in 11 minutes, but 4.5 points, 0.63s, 1.7 assists, 0.6 steals, 40, 75, and 31 as his percentage splits. We know what happens with rookies and their percentages. So he shot 40%. Cool, that'll go up. I think I project him as being maybe a 45, 46% shooter at some point in his career from the field and being able to hit 35 to 37% of his threes and being a guy who hits 80% of his free throws and he rebounds and gets assists and he scores. He does so, so much. 
yes, with Russell Westbrook there, we know that who Russell Westbrook is, but is it a Reggie Jackson situation? Does Russell Westbrook leave? These are things that all could happen, and he is still an extraordinarily high target for me for Dynasty. He, he will have, and I feel pretty confident in saying this, he will have multiple top 50 fantasy seasons throughout his career. Multiple. He might have multiple top 20 seasons, but that's probably being a little bit aggressive on his projections. But if you're looking for someone with a bit of long-term situation who is not going to do it next season and may not even find himself in the top 300 next season, campaign's that guy because it is going to work out for him. I'm almost... I can't be certain because I'm projecting stuff in the future, but I'm pretty bloody confident that when I look at Payne, I know that he can make it work and he's got a ton of ability and he's going to turn out. We saw how good this draft class is. He's going to turn out as one of the top two or three players out of this entire draft class, I think. And um, I can't wait to see it actually come to fruition. Anthony Morrow was um, was poor, but before I talk about him, I probably should look at campaigns. Um, uh, advanced numbers. They weren't great, but a 12.9 PR is okay. A 1.4 win share is okay. In negative in offensive and defensive box score plus minus, but not horrendously. He was sort of middle of the pack on this team in that in that category. He was seventh overall ahead of Ennis Cantor, ahead of uh, Dion Waiters, ahead of Randy Foy. Um, yeah, he, he sort of sit, fits mid table, and it and it really it's disappointing how few minutes they gave him because I really think that was a mistake from Billy Donovan. Hard to criticize his coaching given how well they played, but I think it was a mistake just to completely erase him from the rotation after that trade at the trade deadline. Anthony Morrow, 341st in nine cat leagues, 362 in eight cat leagues. He doesn't really play all that much. Um, he did play 82 games, including playoffs, but only 12 minutes and five points. He hit a three a game at 38%, and he does nothing else. 0.8 rebounds, 0.3 assists, 0.3 steals, 0.1 blocks, 41 and 80 is his percentage. So if you're not getting threes out of Anthony Morrow, you're getting nothing else. And he is a massive, massive negative on defense, and that's uh, that limits his playing time. He was a 0.5 offensive box score plus minus, a negative 3.2 defensively. So that's you know, one of the worst on the team in terms of defensive box score plus minus. The only people worse than him were uh, the combined how many? 43 minutes of Nazi Muhammad and Steve Novak. So clearly the worst defender on the team. Yes, worse than Ennis Cantor. And then you know, he's not doing a huge amount offensively. To me, at 30 years of age, if they're not going to use him. Maybe they don't guarantee that deal. But he's a fine guy to have come off and shoot occasionally. I just don't think they use him quite often enough or, or correctly. And it's not like he was... He wasn't atrocious this season, but he definitely was. His shooting wasn't that good that it had to overlook his uh, defensive shortcomings. For fantasy, yeah, maybe. Hey, maybe the Thunder are going to blow them out. I need three pointers. Let's put Morrow in. Maybe he gets hot and hits three. It is a massive, massive long shot, and that's about all that he really holds for the future. I wouldn't be shocked if you didn't know that Nicholson was still in the league. It feels amazing that he is still in the league, and he is. He is still. He has got another two seasons left. Oh, sorry, one more season left on his contract at age of 35. It was a bad contract when they signed it. He's still there. What what does he provide at this point? He was the 370, 394th player in 9-cat and 382 in 8-cat leagues. He's sort of a roadblock to Mitch McGarry's development, which I don't like. In his 11 minutes this year, he played... He scored 1.9 points with 2.7 rebounds. He doesn't block shots. He doesn't get steals. He's not a good shooter, 47 and 69. He doesn't stretch the floor. I just don't know what... Yes, great great locker room guy from everything we've heard. Yeah, no defensive stats, but defensive box box score plus minus, pretty good. But a really putrid win shares. Yeah, terrible offensively. 
just doesn't, you know, PER of 7.7, true shooting of less than 50, doesn't get it done. He's not going to have any sort of fantasy impact. Kyle Singler, one of the biggest mysteries of the season, what happened to Kyle Singler. He was a guy that I thought was pretty good after he came across from Detroit last season. He started games when Durant was out, and he's not a world beater, and I thought he was really good when he was in Detroit as well, and then became absolutely useless this season. He was the 379th ranked player in NICAT, down from 266. That's a drop of over 100 spots, similar drop in 8 card. He was a negative 9.7 in his on-off numbers, the second worst on the team. He is signed to a just horrific long-term contract. Now, it's not bad in terms of years, but he has still got three more years and then a team option at $5 million, basically, for the next three seasons. It is just way too long for a guy like Kyle Singler. I'm not really sure what the idea was to lock him up to a five-year deal, but he's there, he's he's signed, and how are they going to use him? Maybe if Kevin Durant goes, maybe he's the starting small forward. I'd be pretty shocked if that was the case. He averaged just 3.2 points. His shooting, which is something that was a real strength of Kyle Singler, has dropped off significantly. Only the 3.2 points, and it come at 39% shooting. That's you know, If you look at what he did previously... It was a lot better, apart from last season, actually. Yeah, he was at 39 last season as well, but 45 the year before. He dropped his three-point shooting down from 40% to 32%. He dropped his free throws down. He was at 81, 83, 77, and he was 63 from free throw this year. Everything just fell completely in a hole with Kyle Singler. Maybe there was an injury. Maybe there was personal issues going on, but he just completely shit the bed, and my whole perspective of him as a player changed based on this season because I thought he was a really, really solid rotation guy who's a 15 to 20 minute guy who comes in and plays nice defense, shoots the ball pretty well, and is just solid without being, or, or with being the furthest thing from spectacular there is. But now he's just a liability. I don't understand what really happened. He was a 6.6 PER with a true shooting of 48, both horrific, horrible win shares, really bad negative in uh, both box score plus minus categories. Uh, bizarre situation to me with Kyle Singler. Could he bounce back? Yes, he's got the ability to be a top 250 player, but probably not on this team. Josh Eustace, the Thunder's 2015, no, 2014 first-round draft choice after signing that contract in the D-League straight after the draft. He signed with the main team this year, and he didn't do a lot to really uh, get me all that excited. He was a negative 8.4 on-off. He was 436th in nine cat leagues and four eighteenth in eight cat leagues. Didn't really see a huge amount from Houston in his seven games. He played nine minutes. He did show that he could hit a three. Um, how realistic is it for him to continue at sixty three percent from three? I would say it's extraordinarily uh, unrealistic. I'd say that he's probably got. Yeah, he's got no chance in hell of being a sixty three percent three point shooter. I think that's uh, that's fair to say. Um, what is he? What does he bring? He's a guy that's sort of a, a stretch three. Well, he's, a, he's a three who can play a little bit of small ball four. He's not a great rebounder. Two point four points in his nine minutes a game. We just didn't get to get enough get to see enough of Josh Eustace. I wouldn't be putting a huge amount of faith in him ever becoming a reliable contributor or him ever really being even a top three hundred fantasy player at this point. Nothing about his advanced stats look great. He was a negative seven point four in box score plus minus. Poor offensively, poor defensively, and that's even with the great three point shooting. He just is not. Um, not a player that I think there's much to really love it, love about. Nazi Muhammad, he's 50. 
Forget about it. There's no need to talk about his season. But the guy I want to talk about is Mitch McGarry. He was absolutely putrid this season. He had some injury problems, but he barely played. Only 20 games at 3.6 minutes per game. That is not much for a guy that I think has got tremendous, tremendous potential. He's 23 years old. He is a player that is an absolute bargain basement dynasty acquisition at the moment. Your league's got to be deep. You've got to go pretty deep to consider Mitch McGarry, considering he was the 460th ranked player this season. He was 250th last season, though. He had a big a big drop-off. Um, what what happened with him? I still I believe that the Thunder really still... Um, they value him, and I think that they'll be... Um, I think that there's a, there's a role for him. Now, in his D-League games this year, he averaged 14.5 points, almost 9 rebounds, 1.1 steals, 0.8 blocks. He hit half a three, and he can be a triple one player in this league. It's going to take three seasons, maybe maybe a little bit longer, but you know, I think maybe he tops out of being a top 200 guy. But I do think that him and campaign can become actually really good and solid contributors. It might be three or four seasons away. But there, there is a foundation between those two guys that I think they can be. They might not be superstars, and I think that's it's hard to make them superstars. Make to make anyone a super superstar. But McGarry and Payne are two guys that I do really highly rate. Payne a lot higher than McGarry, but you know, there is there is definitely something there with him. Hard to judge anything by the uh, three point six minutes a game he played in his twenty games with the big team this year. But he is a guy that, that can shoot the ball, that can rebound, that gets defensive stats, all in a pretty efficient manner. So don't write off Mitch McGarry just yet. All right, that is the Thunder roster done. I'm going to come back after a quick break. I'm going to talk about a few players that they've got uh, drafted and stashed over in Europe, and then we're going to answer your questions. and drums I'll sing of love and you from afar Well here they come in now Me and the sky Turn my microphone on too early. I apologise for hearing my uh, my bad voice for a, a split second there. Let's talk about a couple of these players that the Thunder have stashed either overseas or in the D League that are uh, potential guys to talk about. The first one I think is the most important one is Alex Abrines, who is playing over in uh, in Spain for Barcelona, and he is likely to come over this season. He's a player that I've been intrigued about for quite a few years, and I do think that if Depending on what happens with down waiters, but Abrines could come. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Abrines, hmm, maybe he could come across and fill that waiter's role. He, he's a he's a two guard who can handle the ball a little bit. He's six six. Um, I think that I think he's a, he's a I know he's a really good shooter. He shot over forty percent from three the last three seasons over in Europe. He's a this season he averaged nine point six points in just twenty in less than twenty minutes a game. 
Yep, two rebounds, an assist, 0.7 steals, but shot 49 from the field. He shot 44 from three, and he shot 87 from the line. So he is an, a really, really good shooter. Maybe they bring him across. They they wave Anthony Morrow. They let Waiters go. And Abunyas comes into that role. Most likely, he comes into the role of uh, Randy Foy and, uh, and Anthony Morrow. And I think that would be, or I know that that would be a pretty significant upgrade over what those two provided. He, he is an intriguing target. I think that his numbers project pretty well from a fantasy point of view as well. It's obviously, if it happens at all, it's going to take a couple of seasons. And he's behind a guy like, say, a Thomas Satoransky for the Wizards. But he is a player who, who could comfortably be a top 250 player in his first season and you know, could challenge for the back end of 12 team leagues in about two to three seasons. So Abrinez is a guy that I do really like um, as an overseas stash that they have who, who should be coming across this season. Dakari Johnson, a guy from Kentucky, a big man from Kentucky, a big center who they drafted in the second round and put in the uh, D-League. I thought he had a, a pretty decent season in the D-League. He averaged uh, 12 and 8. He had 1.2 blocks. He shot 53%. Um, poor free throw shooter, which is pretty common amongst big men. His uh, box score plus minus numbers were good. Really impressive defensively. Big win shares. Um, really solid PR. I think that he, he showed, showed enough. And he could very easily find himself on the Thunder next season as the backup center, and you wouldn't have any issue with thinking that he could you know, slot himself in as a top 300 or top 350 player next season with um, with scope to improve. I think that um, he, he was an interesting guy coming out of college. A lot of the draft projection models really, really liked him, and I think that he is another, much like a Mitch McGarry, he is another player that if you're willing to invest four or five seasons in him, you might get a player who becomes a top 150 fantasy guy. And I think that is something that you can look at with Dakari Johnson. I think that he is a he is still a really intriguing player to me who can be a defensive menace. He can be a good rebounder. He can be an efficient scorer. Um, you know, not bad at getting his hand on balls in terms of steals, not Draymond Green style. But he can be a real contributor in the in a few fair few fantasy categories, and maybe someone that not many people are really paying a huge amount of attention to. The other guy that they've got stashed, uh, who's playing currently in Italy, is Semaj Kriston, who was um, a second round draft choice a couple of years ago. He's not an overseas player; he's an American player, but has gone to play in Europe the last couple of seasons. He struggled mightily um, in in summer league when he played, but his numbers in Europe aren't aren't terrible. Playing in the in the Italian league. Now, who's he playing for? I've got to remember the... the no, he played in the D-League last season. If you look at what he did in the, in the D-League last season, his numbers were okay. He averaged, well, they're pretty good, actually. 18.6 and 5.7 assists, 3.7 rebounds, 1.6 steals, and shot 44%. Yeah, they're pretty good numbers that he shot in the D-League. He headed across to, to Italy, and he played 33 minutes a night and was 14-3 and 3.7, or you know, 4, 1.6 steals. So he's a really he's a really aggressive defender, and he is a guy that translates well with steals, but he shot 19% from three. That's obviously got to improve, and that's that's something that's probably going to keep him out of the out of the league in the near future. But he's got talent. He's a, his defensive ability is there, but I don't really ever... He's not, he's not Cameron Payne, so he's a fair way down in terms of point guard of the future for this team. So, yeah, look, really extraordinarily deep leagues if you just want to bank on someone that might return top 300 value sure but I'm not sure that's the best way to use um, any stash spots you've got on your roster let's talk about questions that you guys had for the Thunder there wasn't that many actually for the Thunder one today the first one comes from DFS Fantasy Raster cool does it make sense for KD to stay or should he move on I think it makes all the sense in the world for him to stay financially basketball wise he loves Oklahoma City um, where is he else is he going to find a guy like Kevin Durant to play with and Stephen Adams and, and Serge Barker and Ennis Cantor where is he going to find these guys to play with unless he goes to Golden State and even then 
yes, he's got some you know, superior teammates, but will he like taking a, a backseat to Steph Curry? Maybe not. And I think that, again, we give Kevin Durant sort of a halo in, in the media, but I think that that would bother him tremendously. He is not the uh, most altruistic guy. I think I don't think he's a, everything is, is all about the team. I think he wants to get Kevin Durant's, and he wants to be Kevin Durant, and he wants to be the man, and that's all completely fine. But I don't think he's just going to go, okay, I'll, be, I'll be Harrison Barnes on the Warriors. I don't think that's going to happen at all. So, yes, it makes complete sense for him to stay in Oklahoma City. Irv Dizzle, who's that Irvy one Kenobi, says, what is Stephen Adams' role, potential numbers next season? I mentioned that uh, already. I think that he can be an impactful player, and around that top 100 mark, I think, is uh, is fair enough. Sam Phillips says, who should the Thunder target in free agency? I don't think they really need to do much. They bring over Abrinias, bring everyone else back, and I think they're pretty sweet. Yeah, obviously, there'll be little bits and pieces, you know, the Morrow, the Foy, if those guys move, but I think Abrinias fills some of that role too. Who will be overrated going into the season based on a strong playoffs? You'd have to say that it's Adams, but where he's rated at this point, we don't know. If they start putting him as a top 70 guy, then I want nothing to do with it. But if he's ranked around 100, I reckon that's pretty fair enough. And I think that's probably the only... Maybe maybe Robertson, if someone starts putting him as 120 or 100, then I would probably wave that off. But even then, I don't think that's going to be the case. You can't really overrate Duran or Westbrook. They're top five players. Abaka didn't have a sterling playoff, so he's not going to be jumped back up into the top 30. And Cantor was good and, and bad in parts of the playoffs, and that's not really going to influence his ranking heading into next season. So the guy we're probably talking about there, Sam, is Steve Adams. That is it, guys. We are done for today's podcast. Only a few of these to go, and then we're going to be doing the NBA mock draft uh, across the weekend, so make sure you are checking that out as well. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. You know about Fantrax. You know about Basketball Monster as well. And you should know about Hardwood Paroxysm by now. So check out all that stuff as well. Congratulations to the people in the Red Rock 30-team league. Make sure that when you get your invites to the league that you sign up and let's get ready to go. And then I can have that recording of, of who gets uh, what draft slot or who gets the choice of what draft slot in what order. We'll go through that once I get everyone signed up for that league. To everyone who applied and didn't get in, my apologies do go out to you. But again, we are going to be announcing more Dynasty Leagues and more Redraft Leagues over the course of the coming months. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. JCPenney, time to refresh your closet. This Thursday through Monday, get Levi's lowest prices of the season on 514 straight fit jeans for guys, $36.99. And select Arizona booties for her for $35.99. Plus, save an additional 50% off clearance prizes already reduced by 60 to 80%. And get an extra $10 off with your coupon. Hurry in now. JCPenney. Coupon valid 10, 5 to 10, 9. Levi's and other brands excluded from coupon. Clearance elections vary by store while supplies last. Savings off regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may have been taken. See store or jcp.com for details. Season of first 927 to 1018.